throughout the Bible you get glimpses of how people's lives have been changed by just being in the love of God and being close to Jesus. Now, um, I want to, before I go into that, though, we're going to look at uh, a, 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 um, a, an, a, an event from the life of Peter and John, two of uh, uh, Jesus' disciples. But before I do that, I just want to just talk a bit about how we view ourselves. Um, what sort of person are you? Because uh, when we look at the world, the world will often say that d- d- certain personality types, certain types of people will be more successful and achieve greater things than other types. And, uh, you know, so uh, my son uh, has spent a lot of time looking into this. He loves this, this whole idea. There's a chap called, uh, well, a book called uh, Myers-Briggs. Is that a person or is that two people? It's two people. Okay, right. Um, you may have come across it. And uh, the, this, uh, in, uh, he's written various books, they've written various books on how uh, each person can be uh, put into various personality types. So that you've got uh, things like extrovert or introvert. You've got confident. You've got shy. You've got loud. You've got quiet. Um, and um, people who thrive on being up front, you know, and, and make a, someone dance about it, like me, or, um, or people who don't, like, who don't like being in the public eye and they don't like being uh, out, out the front. And, uh, and then you can go on a bit further and you can look at people's qualifications, how well qualified they are, whether they've got any at all. Um, and then you can go right back and say, well, um, you know, what sort of parents did you have? Uh, and if you talk to most teenagers, they, they've got the wrong parents. Uh, but that's uh, just the way it goes. Um, and, and so you can, you can look back. At, and the problem with that, I mean, it's a good thing, and it gives you some understanding of, of who you are. But the problem is, what can then happen is that you can then define yourself by that. And you can say, well, because of this, because of this, because of this, I will never be that successful. Or conversely, ah, because of this, because of this, because I have every chance to make a wonderful success of my life. And and even for Christians, it's possible for us to say, well, do you know what? Because of the fact I've got no qualifications, because I was born uh, to the wrong parents, because I'm in, I was born in the wrong place, because you know, because I don't speak very well, because 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 I can never be that successful. I can never achieve very much. And and we can put that label on ourselves. And we can define ourselves, and maybe we've done it, um, uh, you know, subconsciously. We've never really said it, but our expectations of what we will do and achieve are greatly limited by the way we view ourselves. And, um, and the problem is, is that is backed up by society. I was reading a, an article in the paper the other day about social mobility and how one of the... One of, the, one of the key aims of the government is to make social mobility greater. And unfortunately, it's, it's stagnated. This means, basically, if you are born into a socially lower place, then you can move up to something better. So if your parents are uh, low-income earners, then social mobility will mean that you can, you can move up to a place where you, you are able to earn a greater amount. Uh, you can move through the social status of society. Um, 
But what's, what's, going, what's happening recently, and, and this article was, was sort of bemoaning this fact, is that that hasn't changed. And that people basically, uh, if they're born into a particular social status, will stay there. And they'll never achieve much. They'll never get up. And, uh, and, and it's, a, and it's, it's, a, it's a, not, not a good thing. And obviously, as, as people, and we make these declarations, we, we want to see in this society, a fair society, where people have got every opportunity to do uh, whatever they have got on their heart to do. And that's one of the things that we would campaign for, we want to see in this country. We don't want there to be this, uh, this divide. Um, and yet, there still is. And, and we, can, we, can, we can say, well, that's just the way it is. I'm never, because of that, I'm never going to achieve much. Uh, and yet, the Bible has a very, very different take on this. Um, regardless of what's going on in society, and, and not to say that we don't try and uh, campaign and, and, and support changes in that, but actually, as Christians, we have a different take on it. And Peter and John are wonderful examples of where this whole social mobility thing was blown out of the, out of the water. You see, if you look at their lives, where they came from, they came from the wrong place. They were born in Galilee. This was a sort of backwater of Israel. This is a place where people said, and it's recorded in the Bible, what good can come from there? That was said of Jesus, but it was said of everybody. Galilee is not a place. If you want to be uh, a social climber, if you want to have influence, don't get born in Galilee. It's a bit tough but that's not, that's not where you should come from. Um, and, and so uh, Peter and John were from the wrong side of town. They had the wrong parents, if you like. Um, and, uh, and then when you, when you look at the life of Peter, he was someone that was a very fiery person that spoke, uh, and when he spoke, he often said the wrong thing. Uh, the expression, he only opened his mouth to change his feet. Okay, now, we, some people feel like that, and actually, and, and people have said, you know, I, I, I just always say the wrong thing. Uh, you know, I, I can never quite the right words, I can never quite put it right, and, and, and you know what, that's just going to get me into trouble, and it's going to limit what I can do. And so here's Peter, just a, a fiery person who, who just, you know, was always saying the wrong thing, always... Um, uh, not, not doing quite what he should do. That's not mine. This is mine. Not that it matters. And then we have John. Now, John is a completely different character. He is the one that, that reclined with Jesus um, at the Last Supper. It was said of him that he leaned against him. So they were very close. But I can imagine he was quite a gentle character. And uh, uh, although he was called, the, uh, with James, his, his uh, brother, the sons of thunder, you think, oh, wow, he must have been a fiery person. I think, actually, reading through what he was like, he was probably given that name by Jesus as a prophetic thing rather than as a, um, a, a thing of what he was actually like at the time. It was sort of calling out the gold that was within him. I believe that. Because I think, actually, if you read it, what he was like, he was actually quite a timid uh, he was quite um, confident in one sense, because he and his brother went to Jesus and said, can I sit at your right and your left? He was a bit sort of ambitious, 
And so, in a sense, that was perhaps in this, in this world a good thing to have. But, he, you know, but I think he was quite a quiet chap. Anyway, here we have two characters. And, uh, and then in the bit we're going to read in the book of Acts, I'm going to read one verse, but just to give the background... Jesus had gone back to heaven after the resurrection, and Peter and John were going to the temple. And they found a, a man who was uh, lame, couldn't walk, and was asking for money. That's all they were doing. And they saw him, and then Peter said, well, I haven't got any money. I can't give you any money, but actually what I have got is I've got faith for you to be healed. So, you know, stand up and walk. And that's all they did. And this caused such an outcry that Peter then preached. Uh, and then the, the Bible records um, 5,000. The, the church grew to 5,000 as a result of this ministry. There was about uh, maybe 3,000 before then. It's not entirely clear. But suddenly there was uh, this one miracle caused an uproar. Peter spoke to the crowd and, and, uh, and thousands got saved. Peter and John were having an incredible influence. So much so that the authorities got involved and thought, wait a minute, this, this, this isn't right. Uh, and they arrested them, took them to the prison, and then they took them after the, in the next day to the Sanhedrin. This was the, the government, if you like, of, of Israel, um, apart from the Romans. This was the, the lawmakers. These were the learned people. And, uh, and we record... And this is a verse I want to look at in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. I think that should come up on the screen if you... Thank you. And they were standing before the Sanhedrin. They were giving an account of what took place. They were, they were giving a, a clear un- message to these learned people. And this is what the Sanhedrin, the learned people said. They said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It's a, it was a, an incredibly difficult place to be. These people were the scholars. These people had studied for years. They, had, they were born to the right parents. These Sanhedrin, these people were the ones that were chosen specifically to go to the schools, to be trained, uh, to get the education, to get to the place where they could oversee and understand and interpret the Bible and interpret the laws. These were people who were revered. These were the movers and shakers in Israel. And before them were two upstarts that had never been to school, that were, came from Galilee, that were were people that were from the wrong side of town, probably had the wrong accent, I don't know. They were, at, they were considered nothing by these people, and yet they were being completely blown away by what these people were doing. And their only, they were astonished, it says, and their only explanation was this. They've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. And, and we have a very... In this verse, a very clear snapshot of the transformation that took place when Peter and John spent time with Jesus. Their background no longer mattered. 
Whether they were qualified, whether they were educated, whether they had good parents, bad parents, no longer mattered. What mattered was they had been in the presence of Jesus and they were transforming the world. They were changing things. And the people that should have known better, the people that should have understood things better, were just blown away by it. They were astonished. How is this happening? How can these people stand before us? And actually, we've got no answer to them. We're the ones that understand the law, and yet we we don't know what to say. Um, It's interesting. They were fulfilling the promise that Jesus said um, to, to his disciples and to us, which was in Luke 21 and verse 15. And this is not to those that are educated. This is not to those that have the right prayers. This is to anyone who believes. And it says there, I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. What a wonderful promise that is. That is to everyone who believes. That is for everyone who spends time with Jesus. And... And so we don't have to worry, we don't have to look back and think, well, how can I, how can I speak? How can I, how can I ever make any difference with the upbringing I've had? How can I have had any difference with the, with the education that I've had? And Jesus says, no, 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 it's not about that. It's not about that. It's have you spent any time with me? Because if you have, then you're going to be able to say to, say to your adversaries stuff that they, however learned, however clever, however educated they are, they will not be able to answer you. Because you'll have my wisdom, you'll have my understanding, and they won't be able to resist you or contradict you. Because you are mine. Now, just just in case people are... uh, I don't get uh, the wrong wrong impression. I'm not decrying or saying education is of no value. Um, Just any young people here... Work hard at your studies. Let me encourage you. Uh, it's really good that we have a wonderful education system in this country that educates everybody, that is for all, that is free. And I, I, I laud that. It's not true of every country, sadly. Uh, everyone is treated equal in this education system, and we should use it, and we should value it, and we should do the best we can. We should do the best we can with it. And if you can get straight A's, get straight A's. But if you can't, don't worry. Put your effort in. Do, you, do what you can. And then God will use what you've got. Yeah? Peter and John had no education. God used what they had. Paul, on the other hand, the Apostle Paul, was well-educated. He was well-educated. He was brought up with all the, the training and the scholarship and all that. Now, Paul understood that even his qualifications and everything that didn't qualify him to, to be in God's kingdom and to do good works. He, in fact, it's really important that, that uh, what we understand and what he said um, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 and 8, in, a bit earlier on, he'd listed all his qualifications and said, you know, blah, blah. and now he says this. He says, but whatever, 
was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, Paul wasn't saying, I disown my education. He used it to write the letters. He used it to explain the gospel. He used it in the books of Romans and people like that to go into the deep things of theology. And that's wonderful. He, his education was used. But what he didn't do is say, OK, God, I've got this education. I've got all this. Uh, you, can, uh, you can use it if you'd like because, you know, how, how good is that? He didn't go there with that. He said, actually, compared to knowing Christ, it's rubbish. It doesn't gain me anything. It doesn't gain me standing in, uh, with God. It doesn't, this, is, this is just something that I've got. Um, and he went to Jesus with nothing and said, God, I need you. I am a sinner. I need you to save me. And that's what God did. And he was, he was, uh, he was met with by God. Um, and he didn't use uh, his education to justify his position. But once he was saved, once he was for God, once God had got hold of him, once he knew what it was to be in the presence of God and enjoying Jesus, God used his education for great things. Yeah. And it's that way round. Um, so whether we have education or no education, whether we've got good background or bad background, whatever it is, those things in terms of our salvation, in terms of our walk with God, mean nothing. And we mustn't try and qualify ourselves by saying, oh, look at me, what all I've got, or disqualify ourselves by saying, well, I haven't got anything. All that counts is our relationship to Jesus. And once we're there, once we understand that, once we've got that relationship, he will then use whatever you've got. He will use it, um, and it will be effective in whatever place God has put you. It will be effective. And it doesn't matter what you've got. It doesn't matter. You need, we should never compare ourselves with each other. It's so important. We can look at, at the people and say, well, you know, he's, he or she, I mean, you know, you know what, look, look, look what they've got, look at their background, look at their education. Not surprising they can do so much and I can't. That's nothing to do with it. The impact any of us have in the spiritual realm in the spiritual realm, is all to do with our connection with Jesus. It's all to do with that, nothing else. Our impact in the spiritual realm, the eternal impact that we have, is all based on our connection to Jesus. And that is so important. It's not about how we've been brought up or what education we've got. And Paul knew that. And so he said, I consider it rubbish that I may gain Christ. It's possible that Peter after his denial we know the story Jesus was arrested he was taken captive Peter, everyone ran away of his followers but Peter crept in to the courtyard where the fire was and was asked oh you were with Jesus and he denied it and three times he said, no, 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 I, I never knew him. I don't know him. I'm, 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 I don't know this man. He must have thought, when Jesus died and then rose again, he must have thought, I have blown it. There is no place for me. 
And so many of us maybe have, have felt that, that we've messed up so badly that we think there is no place for me. And of course, Jesus had completely other ideas. He knew Peter was a bit of a loudmouth. He knew what Peter was like. He knew his character. You see, but Jesus didn't mind that. That was, he could use that if there was one thing that was right in Peter's life. And after Jesus rose again, he met Peter on the beach. And, uh, and it's very, that interaction between Jesus and Peter is really important because he asked Peter a question. And it was this, or it could have been this. Peter, Peter, have you learned to control your tongue? Have you? Hmm? Have, you have you got that sort of, have you tried really hard? Have you, in the last 40 hours, have you sworn? No. Okay, you're getting better. Okay, we, we can work with you on this. Okay. Oh, could it have been? Peter, okay, Peter, um, look. Have you enrolled in that higher education course that I told you about? Because if, if you did, then maybe we can use you in the future. No. Peter, have you learnt who the influential people are and started to get to know them? <laughs> have you got some good networking going on, some good connections in Jerusalem? That's where you need to be. Have you moved into Jerusalem and started the network? No. He could have asked so many questions, but Jesus was only interested in one thing. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? That's all that mattered. It's all that mattered. See, if that was true, and of course it was, anything was possible. Anything was possible in Peter's life. It's all Jesus was interested in. Do you love me more than these? Forget everything else. If you love me, then you're going to be with me. We're going to be together. We're going to spend time together. And you're going to change the world, Peter. (coughs) And all this other stuff, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Peter, do you love me? And that is the only question that we will ever get asked. Not do you have a good background, do you, have you got everything right in your life, have you, have you got your behaviour right, have you got the right parents, have you got all this? No, no, Jesus is never going to ask you that, he's not interested, well he is interested, but not in terms of your influence and your impact in this world. He will simply ask the question, do you love me? Then just be close to me, be with me. And you will have such an impact. You will have such an impact on your society, on your friends, on your neighbours. You see, all Peter and John did was they, they had a bit of faith. They were walking to the temple and they saw someone and their heart went out to them. They had remembered, they'd been with Jesus. Jesus had compassion on those that were sick. That's all it was. That's all it was. So they saw this person. Peter's heart went out to them. And says, all right, be healed. Such an impact. Such an impact of that one simple act of faith. That the whole Sanhedrin were up in and said, what is going on here? How does this happen? This isn't the way it should be. They're not educated. They're from the wrong side of town. And yet, they are turning the world upside down. 
Anything is possible simply through being with Jesus. And it's an invitation to everyone. An invitation to everyone. Just come and be with me. Just come and spend time with me. And your influence and your impact and what you can achieve is limitless. Because I'm with you. And I will equip you. I will anoint you. I will give you what you need to change your situation, to change those around you, to change uh, your community and your society. That is what he asks of us. It's a wonderful thing. So how does that start? How does that start? We're going to be very shortly celebrating two baptisms. And uh, these dear people have come to a place where they have decided that this is Jesus is the one they want to follow. Jesus is the one that they want to be close to. Jesus is the one they want to make their Lord and their Saviour. It's very interesting that the verse before, the one we looked at in in Acts, um, in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, do you want to put that up to the last verse I think? Peter says this to the Sanhedrin, these learned people. He says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Peter is simply declaring the truth. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. There's no other way to be saved. There's no other way to come uh, into a knowledge of God than through Jesus. And he declares that, and after that, the Tanhuna said, well, how do do these people do this? And that is what these two guys have come to understand. They've come to understand that Jesus is the only way to be saved, to come and to experience the love of God, to know him as our Father, to know him as our uh, loving Father and Lord. And the reason we get baptised, the reason people get baptised, is that when Jesus went into heaven, he gave this command. He says, go and make disciples, followers of me, uh, and baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So all baptism is, is a declaration that I am a follower of Jesus. Amen. It often happens straight after the person has said, I want to follow Jesus. Sometimes it takes a bit of time because of events and situations and and both these guys have been on a journey. So you'll hear a little bit about that. But actually all it is is a statement, I am following Jesus and I'm obeying what he's asked me to do and that is to be baptised. And basically to state publicly, I am a follower of Jesus. I am one who wants to spend time with him. Uh, And it's not that we're declaring... I'm perfect, because that never quite happens in this life. All it's saying is, I want to follow Jesus. I want to get close to him. I want to be with him. I want to understand what his purpose is for my life. And that's a wonderful thing. And, uh, and that's what uh, baptism is about. And anyone is welcome to come and meet with Jesus and to know him and to have that relationship where you have that intimacy where anything becomes possible. Our lives are transformed, we are transformed, and then we can then transform the society and those around us. 
And it's a wonderful, wonderful promise. And it is eternal significance that Peter and John had. And that's what we can have when we spend time and come to Jesus. It's wonderful. Just just pray. And then we're going to go into the baptism. Father, we thank you for this wonderful invitation that you give. God, thank you that you don't choose people because of what they have to offer in this world, God. You don't choose people who are influential. You don't choose people because of their background. You choose them simply because you love them. And you choose all different types. And I thank you, God, that you then equip us and then you come as we spend time with you. You enable us to be effective. You enable us to be significant in this world. And I thank you, Jesus, that it's through meeting and being with you, through being with Jesus, that everything becomes possible. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that, that, Lord, you transform us. And God, thank you that each person here, you have wonderful, wonderful works for them to do that are going to be transforming situations. They're going to be transforming people's lives. They're going to be transforming society. God, because simply they have spent time with you and they know you and they love you. And God, I thank you, God, that you are, we are all qualified because of our relationship to you. And Lord, we just bless you for that. Thank you, Jesus.